Welcome to the Global Wellness HQ family of podcasts. We are your international headquarters for resources and ideas and insight in relation to the nine elements of holistic wellness. Join us as we interview local and international wellness experts and learn how you can implement and improve one element or dimension of wellness at a time. Our experts will share their practical tips on wellness in one of these core areas. Emotional, intellectual, occupational, physical, environmental, financial, spiritual, social, or habitual. We created our family of podcasts as a resource for anyone who is looking to integrate the nine elements of holistic wellness into their daily lives. Welcome to the show. Everyone, welcome to the show. I'm excited today. I have my new friend, Christopher Richards, with me. Um, Christopher, let's uh, jump right in. Why don't you tell my audience a little bit about who you are and what you do? Oh, well, um, thanks for having me, Jeff. So I work with business owners and executives. I'm an identity mindset and business coach consultant. Um, so it's really about improving the performance, leadership, personal well-being and fulfillment of uh, not just the individuals, but of their teams, of the company culture. And uh, as a result, the impact of that com uh, company uh, on the wider world. Um, so it's really about creating those ripples uh, by by cultivating amazing, powerful, and confident, good leaders. Love that. And I think right now we need more better leaders um, than ever before, I think. Um, yeah. You and I are going to talk about a lot of things, but I know your area of real focus, and, and this fascinates me, um, you talk about the archetypes in business. So you want to jump right in and, and explain sort of what the archetypes are that you follow or study? Absolutely. So um, I'll do a, a very quick run through. And then if you want to ask any questions to elaborate or expand on, absolutely fine. So the, the business archetypes is at present the, the uh, cultivation and, and uh, the come together of my life's work and, and my knowledge of uh, human behavior, uh, habit creation, identity, somatics, environment, everything required to really be of, of optimal performance, not just for business, but in life, in relationships and, and you know, just to feel in yourself. So the five archetypes are all kind of judged on the attachment level. Uh, and I talk about attachment quite a lot. Uh, with identity and the ego, um, the attachment or detachment of personal worth, deservingness, enoughness, people thinking if they're feeling good enough or deserving or worthy, um, is all dependent on their attachment. Now, if if in some developmental stage you've attached to the quote-unquote wrong thing, um, that causes problems. And so a lot of my work is actually helping people to detach from the thing that doesn't serve them and then reattach to their own personal intrinsic self-worth. So I'll go through the five and then um, expand each one. So the five, uh, five archetypes are the strategist, the experimentalist, the trailblazer, the sage, and lastly, it's the hero care, the, the hero caregiver. Okay, and each one has different attributes. 
Um, I, have, of course, have the business archetype quiz that if anyone wants to check that out, uh, I'm sure we'll put a link um, for them to do that. Absolutely. Uh, and the quiz brings out their primary and secondary type. Very similar to a lot of these other personality tests. Um, so strategist is very much the um, almost perfectionist. They, they like to plan. They like to prepare. They're very, very good at it. Um, the strategist's greatest strength is their ability to uh, take in new information, uh, retain knowledge, categorize that knowledge. They plan, they prepare, they seek guidance, uh, they buy these courses and programs, they get mentorship, they get help, uh, all wonderful things. Where the attachment can become a problem is if they have attached too much of their worthy worthiness uh, to success, then there is a converse fear of failure. And the idea is, um, it's, it's often hidden in the subconscious somewhere that if I don't succeed kind of first time straight out the gate, that must mean something about me. Uh, I'm a failure, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of people will become strategists um, in their work. Now, the interesting one about this is that you can be a general strategist and just very rarely, you know, get this. Uh, failure to launch quite frequently and very rarely be able to push through this problem. Or what I've actually found is you could be firing on all cylinders, absolutely amazing, but it's just one particular thing that you're wanting to launch, wanting to offer, wanting to change or whatever, that you just can't seem to get out of the planning preparing stage. And it always kind of stays there. Um, and each time it gets ready to be launched or shared with the world it, there, there's always something missing or there's always something to be added or something to be changed and it has to go back to um back to the beginning or more commonly people say uh i'm just lacking clarity right now i'm lacking the clarity of what this is actually trying to do or or my big why or something so how this actually comes through in people is different but the underlying fear is failure um, I don't want to do this if it's going to fail. Um, I want to, or rather, it's positive spin. I will. I want to do this and and give it the absolute best chance of success. Um, and that's great. But if the attachment is too high, then you're never going to share that because there's always a risk. Right. The experimentalist is the mad scientist. The experimentalist loves to innovate, loves new ideas, loves novelty. Um, bit of a dopamine fiend is the is the experimentalist. The experimentalist loves the shiny objects, loves the uh, latest trends, latest things, gets very excited for a short term and then kind of trails off or loses interest or switches up to something else, etc., uh, etc., so an experimentalist will innovate extremely well, um, but their fear is one of being tied down. This is in business, this would be um, changing, multiply changing your offer or changing a niche or, or not choosing a niche in the first place. Experimentalists will often say things like, uh, you know, I'm multi-passionate 
uh, and therefore I couldn't possibly choose one. Um, and unfortunately, that attachment also shows up in relationships, that lack of commitment uh, and that 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 fear of being tied down and having your autonomy removed, having your your freedom taken away. The, the experimentalist values their freedom, uh, but has such an attachment to it that if they were to lose any part of their freedom, it would be catastrophic to their sense of identity. Um, which is why it causes a lot of problems. And, um, you know, a lot of success is not built from innovation. It's built from repetition and consistency in that repetition. Um, so experimentalists are wonderful at creating these new ideas, but their, their results tend to plateau uh, because every time they reach a point where it becomes monotonous or repetitive, they get bored and they want to move on to something else. Uh, any questions on those two? No, I think uh, it's kind of funny because I, I resonate with some elements of the strategists, some elements of the experimentalists. So uh, I can't wait to hear the the next three. So, so the the next one is the trailblazer, and the trailblazer is a bit of a hustler. Um, not that he's trying to trick he or she is trying to trick anybody, not in that kind of hustle, but they are they're the grinders. They they will work harder than anyone else. In fact, they'll usually take great pride in how hard they're able to work and uh, how much they can take on their shoulders and in, in how much, uh, you know, when I say I'm going to do a thing, I'm going to do that thing. Like that's the end of it. It's the final say. Um, and there's nothing like there's nothing wrong with any of these things. Again, oh, balance. The, the problems Great. happen. Sorry. Oh, balance and moderation, right? This is it. And this is it's about the level of attachment. Um, because if the person simply has the ability to work hard, amazing, great, wonderful. But if they have an attachment to hard work, whereby things are, have only got value if they are difficult to achieve, that's a very common one. Um, if things come easily, well, they don't really have that much value. They're not really as special as the things you have to work really hard for. Uh, and that's really born of a, that belief of, of you have to prove yourself in some way. You have to, you have to achieve uh, through difficulty in order to feel good. You know, you can't just, you can't just let business be easy and you can't just allow, you know, more flow in your life. <laughs> These are trailblazers always want more of that kind of flow state, uh, peaceful, centered uh, being. But it's very, very difficult for them. Nay, impossible. Like they, because their attachment is to difficulty, is to chaos. And in the overcoming of that difficulty and chaos is where they get their worth um, if this attachment is misaligned. And so the idea is that they're in this constant state of uh, proving themselves and of gaining the recognition of that proof. So they, they're always looking to kind of say, this is what's going to make it. And, and the worst pitfall that I've seen of a trailblazer is that every time they go up a level in business or success or status or whatever, um, they always expect their next level to give them some sort of feeling of accomplishment, of fulfillment. Uh, and unfortunately, what tends to happen, because, you know, uh, that's not how the mind works, 
So they'll get that achievement, they'll get that fulfillment, they'll have a brief moment, like we all do, of this feels great, and then it goes away. And they're, they're, they're left with this kind of emptiness again of like, oh God, and then they're on to the next, and the next, and the next, and the next, and they're just unable to stop. Um, I've seen a lot of people burn through marriages, um, destroy businesses, burn it down, rebuild it, just so they can keep this this kind of constant achievement uh, and and desire for recognition to keep going. That's it's that's it's just this this internal demand that says that they can't stop, and if they stop, it's tantamount to death. You know, stopping or slowing down is like slow death. Um, they must keep going. They must keep proving. If you're not growing, you're dying. And it's all this kind of mentality. Um, and what they lack is that feeling of inner peace, that that feeling of, of just presence um, and the ability to bring that presence into an environment. And, uh, and rather than making it more chaotic um, and, and seeking out the, the difficulties, they're actually bringing peace into their environment. And that energy is then goes into the team and the team start feeling more at ease and they can work better. Um, but yeah, that's, so that's the trailblazer. I could talk all day on these. You can probably tell. You listen to you all day on these, as you could probably tell. Um, <laughs> the funny thing is I see parts of me in the trailblazer. So uh... there's, well, this is the thing. When you take the, the, the quiz, you'll get a score of each one. Um, and you just focus on your two highest scores. They, they generally become your primary and secondary. But yeah. yes, you, a lot of people share a lot of these traits, especially when we get down to hero caregiver. I've got a feeling that you'll you'll connect to that one as well. Because uh, the hero caregiver is all about, you know, kindness and, and taking care of people and connecting people and things like that. Uh, it's a really lovely one. Uh, it's one of my favorite to work with, actually. Um, so we'll get onto that in a minute. The Sage... Oh, so. The sage is the next one. So we've done the strategist, the experimentalist, the trailblazer. The sage is a seeker of knowledge, a seeker of expertise. This is someone who is very proud of how much they have learned in their life, of how much they've done in their life, of how much they have uh, kind of similar to trailblazer, but also similar but different. A sage values themselves on their expertise. Um, whereas a trailblazer values themselves on what they bring to people, the idea that if I stop bringing value, I'm not worthwhile anymore. If I stop proving myself, I'm no longer, I, I deserve to lose that status. A sage does not want to be disproven because their whole identity, their attachment, if this goes too much, if there's too much attachment, if you minimize the attachment, you're laughing. You just, you're just an expert. You're just wonderful at what you do. Um, but if there's too much attachment to your identity, then what happens is, again, these converse fears start creating uh, because your mind has to prepare you for what happens if you lose this. If it's that important, what happens if you lose it? You know, If a strategist fails, what does that mean about you? If yeah. an experimentalist gets pinned down and tied down to one thing, what does that mean? That means they're trapped forever. 
Uh, if a trailblazer stops moving forward, what does that mean? They're going to die. They're going to crumble. They're going to not be able to give value and help people. They're going to become useless. Um, a sage um, fears being irrelevant uh, deep down. Many times there's this fear of, of if I, I don't want to be disproven, I don't want people who I respect coming to me and, and basically ripping apart my work. Uh, right. And so they'll work really, really hard to get it really powerful. In fact, one of my one of my favorite clients um, uh, coined this phrase, uh, and I can't say the name because confidentiality. But uh, and but we're having a wonderful conversation about this, and he said, "Oh my God, Chris, I get it. I'm the smartest man in my basement." <laughs> this guy was an absolute. Th what this man did not know about marketing a very particular thing wasn't worth knowing he was extraordinary he was extraordinary at marketing it branding it selling it he was amazing the problem was he was so tied to being amazing that he couldn't risk losing it wow he couldn't risk having someone say that's a bit rubbish that's a bit trash you know that's that's not as good as you think it is you're and because all they play here is you are not as good as you think you are and if you do that you lose your worth if you lose your worth who are you uh, and it's all about how the mind and the the ego and the identity will form together that it it will protect as hard as it can and this is where you see very common things uh, in these archetypes perfectionism procrastination self-sabotage comparison problems you know so all these things are just symptoms yeah. of this deeper attachment and and they're they're ways that the body tries to avoid the worst case scenario um uh, and and actually there's nothing wrong with the person they just have picked up a habit of feeling like they need to protect themselves and they feel they need to protect themselves because they have an over attachment of their personal worth their deservingness their enoughness to whatever the thing is usually because in childhood you know it always goes, goes back to childhood eventually of um but at some point in childhood or in life some they got either no recognition or no positive treatment because of certain things certain mistakes let's say if they failed and made mistakes and it was kind of they were cast out they were they were ridiculed for it or it wasn't good enough or whatever and they learned that, then they'd probably become a strategist because they're going to avoid making mistakes now. They're gonna they're gonna try and avoid being ridiculed. Um, or if they were given a lot of love and a lot of attention, but only when they achieved, only when they brought back that A plus scorecard, what are they gonna learn? They're gonna learn that love is conditional on achievement. Mm -hmm. Then they're gonna become trailblazers or they're gonna become sages. And that's really what comes from it. It's it's wherever you have been neglected or overexposed and that attachment has become unhealthy. Um, that's it. So, pardon me. So Sage is very much about status. It's very much about, I want the status, I want the recognition, um, and I can't risk losing that status and recognition. That's all it is. Um, and it's not about strangers on the street. You know, most people can quite confidently say, um, I don't really care what Joe Bloggs, John Smith says about me. I don't really care. Yep. But it's when we think about the people who are closest to us, 
family, friends, people we respect, coaches, mentors, you know, industry experts, they are the ones who actually hold the power. Because if someone you respect says something, because you're respecting, you give authority to their opinion, that's going to go in a lot harder than if some random stranger says it. Right. And the last one, so then people get overly attached to that in general, right? Yeah. Uh, sorry, which part? Social media. People give way too much credit <laughs> to the, the randomness oh, of um, so Social media is, is just one addiction that a lot of people have. Um, and it's it's a way that they fuel their addiction. Um, someone who's a strategist that wants success will fuel their addiction to success um, with only things that are guaranteed um, give, to give them that validation, to give them that feedback. Uh, so they'll usually keep their, their um, environments quite small. Same with the sage. The sage will want to control their environment. They won't want it to become too big because if it comes too big, they can't control what people think of them. Yeah. So they will they'll they'll want to keep it small and they'll justify it. After the person acts on the fear, the mind will justify it so you don't feel bad about it. And so every single one of these is justified in the mind. You know, I'm just a perfectionist. I like to get things right. Oh, I just like new ideas and new innovations. I'm a very innovation-led person. I'm a hard worker. No one's going to outwork me. Um I'm an expert in my field. I'm great at it. But you're going to see signs of the attachment if they'll keep their environment small uh, and contained and controlled. Um, the hero caregiver is the last one. The hero caregiver is always, I've never met a hero caregiver that doesn't have this incredible heart, heart of gold, sort of the earth type people. These people love to pay their team they love to uh, do positive impact in the world around. They love to serve in their community. They love to make people happy. The attachment problem comes in when they are sacrificing themselves, sacrificing their needs in order to make people happy, commonly known as people pleasing. Now, you don't have to be a people vague you know, pleaser, all people. But if you're specific, like I say, this can be very specific. Same as a strategist can be specific to a task and not generally. Um, this too can be very specific. So, you know, I'm not a people pleaser when it comes to this, all these people. But for some reason I go, I, I never say no. I never hold boundaries with high level um, clients or team certain team members. I just don't like the way they react to me. And so I always try to do what I can to keep them happy. Um, well, the problem with that is they they usually burn out with exhaustion and frustration. And, and often they grow a lot of resentment um, to the very people they're helping. Because this, this need for external validation, this need of approval to, to be told you are good enough, you are right, um, you know, uh, and the need to the strong compulsion and need to stay away from any activity that could cause rejection, judgment, um, public humiliation, betrayal, anything like that. Like they cannot fathom, they not fathom, but they cannot um, bring themselves to accept 
that sometimes people will have a negative opinion of you and there's no changing it. Everyone's opinion can be changed, you know, all this kind of mentality. Uh, and so they become wonderful influencers, wonderful speakers, uh, beautiful, kind-hearted people. But, and none of those are bad. None of those are wrong. It's only when the attachment gets too much and they start negating their own needs, they start burning themselves out, they start trying to do everything for everyone uh, instead of delegating. So, um, you know, the, the mentality, similar to the trailblazer in how it looks, is like, well, what does that make me? You know, if I if I stop helping people, then what does that say about me? And, you know, clearly I'm... Uh, people say things like, people will think X about me. And this goes for all of these archetypes. What if people think X about me? Well, anytime someone says that, you can very easily switch it around and and basically say, well, that's what your insecurity. That's that's the fear that what if that is proven about you? That's all that it says. Because if somebody says something about you that you categorically know is false, it's not going to bother you. But if you have security, then you're going to worry about what people have to say about you. Because you're going to see that as a confirmation of your insecurity, that you are right to be insecure about that thing. Yeah. So, so a strategist says, what if people think I'm a waste of waste of time, waste of space? You know, what if people think I'm a failure? Well, they're usually afraid of being a failure. They're afraid of of not measuring up um yeah. experimentalists what if <clears throat> you know what if people think um uh that's all i am is that one idea that one offer what what if people think whatever they think about that one offer i can't expand on that anymore i'll be trapped and then i'll be trapped with this constant judgment um and all these different belief systems and stories start coming out of it and it gets very intricate very quickly um the trailblazer is like what if what if people uh, see me as this waste of space again, because I'm not providing any value. I'm not really useful to anybody. And if I'm not useful, then who am I? Um, you'll, you'll hear this, these things a lot. Um, and this goes for absolutely all of them. Sages, that um, I think I've already done the hero caregiver, but Sage would be like, um, what if people say I'm not as smart as I think I am? Uh, what if people say it's not as good as I think it is? Um, and they're right, and then I get disproven, and it gets thrown out, and it and what what am I left with? And this idea, because it's such an overattachment, is this idea of like, what am I left with? I'm left with nothing if this is taken away from me. And you, you can feel the attachment in that. If I yeah. if I lose this thing, you know, you white knuckle gripping on it. If I lose this thing, I lose everything about me. Well, the truth is. It's only when you're able to release it do you really have mastery of it. Yeah. Because until then, it controls you. And I think that's people would rather hang on to that that attachment than let it go and realize what true freedom actually is. Absolutely. Uh, and it's and it's very, very scary. Imagine, um, I remember going ice skating when I was a kid. I love ice skating now. It's so much fun. Um but I, I used to cling on to the side. I no, I no one was there to show me how to ice skate. So, um, and I had a fear of falling over. And so I'd, I'd grasp the edge of the, the ice skating rink 
and just operate in the area that I was holding on to. And I could only go so far because the plexi wall would suddenly <laughs> get very tall um, at a certain point. And so you could only kind of go that far this way and this far that way. Um, and then that was it. And I was missing out on the entire rink, the freedom of the entire ice rink, yeah. because I was too attached to my safety, what I deemed was safety. Um, it takes a lot of courage and a lot of humility to be able to let go, to allow yourself the risk, to allow yourself the release, and to have someone there to... That's why I love to guide people with this, because it's very scary, it's very uh, challenging, and there are pitfalls. Um the ability to understand there is a risk. I may fall and it's not going to be the end of the world. It's a very difficult, it's great in theory, but when these beliefs and these attachments are so embedded, they are almost impossible to get rid of on your own. Um, you can you can trim around the edges uh, a lot of the time. You can build in certain habits, but after a while, that internal feeling of resistance is going to increase, 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 until you're not going to go any further. It's going to operate like an elastic band. Um, uh, and until that root attachment is released, it's always going to keep you uh, ballasted and, and contained. I love that. Now, I could talk to you about this all day because I'm, I'm fascinated how our brains were, technically, if you look at it, we were conditioned for survival. Um, yeah. And that often works against us because sometimes, you know, the greatest risks are where we have the greatest rewards. Um, but on the balance, our brains will say, warning, there's, you know, thin ice ahead. Um, so what does it look like to work with someone like yourself? Because I, I can see, I can see myself in all five of those, but I, I'm sure I, I have two, as you said, that are dominant and um, I am a recovering people pleaser. So, you know, just in case you were wondering, that's, um, I've learned that lesson at least I'm, 10 I'm times. Pretty, I'm pretty good at uh, pegging um, the possible, possible archetypes because you never know until you really get into the root of it. It's, I love what you said there, and there's a flip side to it. And this is where the attachment problems come in. Um, in the greatest risks is where we find the greatest rewards. Yes? Oh, yeah. Uh, this is said so often, it's almost trite. Because the truth also is, in the greatest risks in our lives, have given us the greatest pain. Absolutely. And when we suffer great pain in our life, there's a little thing at the back of our head that says, never again. Yep. And it says, this pain was so great, I'm going to now work to protect you and keep you safe. You know, I could go down the evolutionary point, but this is this is more kind of modern. Uh, the mod modern understanding of it. And it simply says, this pain was so bad. For some people, it's actually trauma. Um, and it's categorized as trauma. And there is a difference between having a painful event and having trauma. Um, yeah. I won't go into the definitions of that now. It's too technical. But um, the only thing that really matters of that is the level of conditioning, the level of attachment, and the idea of of how much your body as well, your body somatically and your mind are fighting unconsciously uh, and subconsciously to keep you safe from that pain ha happening again. Like I said, earlier in life, if someone gave you a lot of pain or a lot of aggravation because you uh, were too outspoken, let's say, um, if you had a voice, but someone 
punished you every time you spoke up. When I tell you no, it means no, beating you down, you know, all this. Well, then eventually you're going to just come to the natural understanding that you don't have a right to say no. Uh, and that's a very natural understanding if you don't know any better. People who are beaten down to the point where they aren't allowed to express their no are going to have a very hard time building healthy boundaries. No. Uh, and they're not going to know what they want because their entire world is predicated on what do the people around me want. I'm not allowed to know what I'm not allowed to have what I want, so I better make it about other people. You know, and it's just a very natural, there's no judgment because it's a very natural way you you kind of grow from that. Um if you're always rewarded and or ignored if you don't achieve, but or you're rewarded for every achievement, you're going to naturally assume that achievement equals uh love. You're gonna assume that achievement is the path to love. Uh, and you deserve to be ignored if you're not achieving. Um, if you are, oh, I could do these all day. This is so easy. Um, if you are, uh, if your freedom's taken away, if you if you have got, had a very strict upbringing, then as you grow up, you're either going to go one of two ways. You're either going to look for stability and containment. And you're going to look for control. And that gets very unfortunate because that can become very toxic relationships um, because they can be very controlling. But there's a part of them that kind of is used to the control. And yeah. so they see it as normal. And then when they meet a healthy person who's like, no, no, what do you want to do? It freaks them out. Um, it's like, this must be a trap. This feels like a trap. Um, and so these attachments very, very quickly go into personal relationships uh, as well. Uh, or you're, So you're either going to look for more containment, more structure, or you're going to go the other way and become almost a rebel to structure. You're going to say, I will never be contained. I know my mind and nothing will ever contain me. And screw the system and all this kind of stuff. Um, and that's the kind of personality that comes from that. Because it, it's very natural to come from that. Again, zero judgment. It's yep. very, very natural to, if you have been hurt in that way, that if I get contained, I feel pain, I get hurt. If I'm not given freedom of my will, then it leads to me being hurt. That's a very simple story, a very simple line of code, if you like, in the mind that dictates then an entire plethora of behaviors that are aimed and designed to keep you away from being in that state. Well, and I'm, I'm just thinking out loud, Christopher, that, you know, a lot of conflict can be caused by, first of all, not knowing your archetype, but yeah. second of all, not knowing the archetypes of those around you. Is that a partner? Yeah, it's like learning love languages. Yeah. Um, if if when you're in a relationship, uh, if you don't understand what's free, like some people, they go into a relationship, they're healthy. Uh, the other person is not, has still got this trauma or attachment problem or whatever. And they're kind of left bewildered. <laughs> they're like, I'm giving you loads of love. And every time I give you love, you freak out. And it's because previously, when the person has given them love, they've also given them pain. Um, this is why I'm a very strong advocate, and this gets mixed reviews, but I'm a very strong advocate of never using physical correction on children, ever. Because the person who is there to protect you, to raise you, to prepare you for the world 
if they are also the one who hurts you when you mess up and don't live life the way they want you to live it, which is essentially what it really means, like parents aren't the be all and end all of right and wrong. Yeah. But as a child, you believe they are. Mm -hmm. And so anything that parent physically corrects, the body is going to remember because at a certain age, you're not able to form memories and comprehensive thoughts. And so it just kind of gets stored in the body of if this, then that. If I speak, I get hurt. If I act and do act on my desires, I get hurt. If I um, counteract, if I contrary the, the, the demands of somebody else, I get hurt. Yeah. And you can see easily how that then turns into people pleasing, self-sabotage, perfectionism, lack of expression fear of expression to the what because if you express to the wrong person there's a piece of code in your head that now says if i express to the wrong person i will be hurt discarded rejected judged etc but there's actually if you look closer at that code it actually says if i express to the wrong person and this goes for any of these behaviors i deserve to be rejected discarded hurt etc and then there's also that mistrust if I feel I deserve to be rejected and you don't reject me. What the hell's wrong with you? Exactly. Exactly right. So so it's the same. So there's a lot of different uh, trauma types. So there's connection yeah. traumas. There's autonomy trauma, trauma, the freedom trauma. There's attunement trauma, like knowing your body, knowing your worth, knowing your needs. Um, some people aren't attuned to themselves, so they attune to other people and they have that disconnect to themselves. Um, there's trust traumas. Uh, if you're betrayed at an early age or hurt by someone who's supposed to love you, that's going to cause an issue with your trust, weirdly enough. Um, and there's love traumas. There's, there's If you're not given love in a particular way or if you're given love in a multitude of ways except the one you actually needed, then you're going to naturally build a belief that you don't deserve that type of love. And anyone who gives it to you must be something wrong with them or they're playing some kind of game or they're trying to manipulate you or they're going to hurt you or something. So all these different traumas create belief systems that are very commonly completely inaccurate that I end up having to uh, uh, rewrite for people and help reconfigure them. Um, and kind of we chip away at the old ones and, and they lose their validity, if you like, in the way I work. We remove the validity of the old ones while we build in the new ones. Uh, and what we want to build and what we want to believe. And as that goes forward, then then they are then able to say, oh, okay, this person is saying negative things about me. It doesn't automatically mean that I deserve the negative things. It could right. mean that they are a douche. Um, it could mean Sometimes that they, they are, are, right? It could be they're having a bad day. And actually, they're not a bad person. They're just having a bad day. It could be, you know, they're hurting me. But actually, it's me taking uh, a subtext of what they're saying and, and deciding to be hurt because of that subtext. And actually, they have no intention of hurting me and don't want to hurt me. So it could be all these different reasons. But because the mind has, um, I don't know if you know this, but muscles, physical muscles, have two types of fibers. Now, just kind of, I'm mindful of the type. There's two types of fibers. There's fast twitch and slow twitch. Um, you know, slow twitch is about heavy weights, fast twitch is about sprinting type muscle fibers. Uh, we need them both. 
the mind has a very similar way of working. It has slow twitch way of working where we can sit down, we can analyze, we can challenge any cognitive dissonance, uh, you know, beliefs that are contrary to each other. Um, we can challenge them, we can think about them, we can reflect. Yeah, slow twitch. But the majority of our thinking is done fast twitch. That is, your mind and body has decided before you even came to your attention. Someone did something and before you've even registered what they've done, your mind has decided what it means. And we are meaning generating beings. And unfortunately, we generate meanings that cause a lot of distress, uh, disharmony and problems and a lot of pain and a lot of pain. Uh, too much attachment problems equals a lot of pain because anytime you work that hard to avoid a fear, you're usually going to cause problems uh, in your own life. So what we focus on becomes a reality, right? Absolutely right. What we focus on expands and any behavior we try to avoid, um, uh, any fear we try to avoid through behavior, the behavior is usually an unhealthy or addictive behavior. And, and I think that's, you know, one of the challenges of modern living. We've got more addictions than ever where we can escape from the reality that we're trying to. And personally, I think life is so much better when you do that inner work and you take away the rough edges and, you know, take away the power from the trauma or what have you, you know, whatever's yeah. holding you back. So yeah, many addictions are just avoidances. They're, they're repeated habits of avoidance. So sex, scrolling social media, uh, alcohol, drugs, whatever it is. But if you think about each one, why does the person do that? It's not just for the high of gambling. Pardon me, uh, the high of gambling, let's say. Some yeah. people are addicted to feeling good. Some people are addicted to positive reinforcement. And they're just always after that validation buzz, the next validation buzz. Um, so addictions can become far and wide, but what, all they really are is trying to serve a void, if you like, trying to serve something that isn't being fulfilled in a healthy way. And it's creating a temporary relief of pain and a, and a temporary uh, provision of whatever it is that the person feels that they need. Um, and it's just to try and heal that wound, but it's like filling up a, a bucket with holes in. It's just always going to drain out, and then you're on to the next thing. I love that. You and I can talk about this all day. I will be mindful of your time. Uh, clearly, the fact that we've gone a little over means that this is going to be a fun conversation. Uh, for the record, my listeners, I apologize as usual because... Christopher and I had a lot to talk about before we thought to hit record. So you'll have to Oh, we, we were talking for half an hour beforehand. It's been a lot of fun. So I have two <laughs> final questions. Um, number one, if somebody wants to connect with you and, and talk about what working with you looks like, where's the best place to find you? Oh, well, I'm happy to send you absolutely all of my uh, links to put on everywhere that you post this uh, podcast. That's absolutely fine. I'll send that to you after this. Uh, but if someone wants to go in right now, uh, they can go to atomicgrowth.co.uk and that will lead them to everything. Uh, that leads them to my website, uh, atomicgrowth.co.uk. Uh, okay. And that takes them to my website and they can do the business archetype quiz uh, where it then leads you to all the results. 
that also signs you up to a newsletter where I'm sending out value every single week. I'm trying to help people as much as I can. Uh, I call it the three Qs newsletter where I provide a quote, a question and a quick win for a particular subject or a particular problem. Um, I, I'm just constantly, I'm just trying to give value on every platform. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, what have we got now? Threads, TikTok, you name it. Uh, I am always just putting stuff out. So if you can't find me on a platform by searching Chris Richards or Christopher Richards uh, and Atomic Growth, then I don't know what platform you're searching on because I'm pretty sure I'm on all of them. Um, and you'll find me. The good news is my audience is 100% on LinkedIn. So I'll make sure your LinkedIn profile is there. Um, and I'll put in a little plug for your newsletter. Um, I did a purge in December and I've unsubscribed from everything except for yours and Bob Berg. And my listeners know I love Bob yeah. Berg. So um, yeah. I, uh, I hate my inbox. I don't want to spend time there. Um, I'd rather be talking to great people, but um, your your newsletter, it's new to my inbox last couple of weeks, but I've read them and I enjoyed them. I think first one, I actually even responded to you. That's how we ended up here. Yes, you did. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to be taking the archetype quiz because I love self-awareness and um, it's always good to have another another lens from which to view. Um, I'm going to share this. And I'm always improving it as well. I'm always just going in, just refining the questions and, and improving it. Uh, and it's the difference in the, I'm, I'm a reco recovering um, experimentalist. Um, so I'm very mindful to improve and refine, not reinvent. Um, so I'm very mindful of that, but I'm always in there improving and refining. That's where I find my little, my little bouts of dopamine and novelty. Uh, is I get to play with that and improve it and get make it better. I love it. All right, my final question. You're the expert at being Chris. Um, what should I ask? Have asked you that I haven't yet. And if the answer can be, we're good. Oh. But wow, uh, what should you have? I think you've asked pretty much all the great questions. Um, no, I, I can't think of anything. Awesome. Um, that that's an okay answer, by the way. Yeah, uh, I, I, I try and you see this for the newsletter. I, I try my absolute best. I never send out anything that I'm it's like, um, you know, the top chefs in the world. So if it's not good enough, it doesn't leave the kitchen. I do not send something unless I've read through it and double checked and thought, is this of highest possible value to my audience? Um, and that's the filter that I put everything through. So uh, it's the same as my posts on social media and LinkedIn. Um, my mind is always like, how can I deliver value? How can I educate, empower, inspire? Um, how can I lift someone and get them further than where they were? Uh, always. I love it. And I really, truly, first of all, I appreciate your service in the military. I appreciate your ongoing service to humanity because I think really, truly, until people conquer whatever you call them attachments, I'm going to call them their demons, um, mm. Once you face them, you realize they're that small. You know, you can go around them. You can. <laughs> there's actually there's actually a story. I forget I forget where it came from, but it's a it's a village that's terrorized by this demon every night. Uh, every night, the shadow is cast from the mountain over this village, and they're terrified. They're screaming every night um, until someone one day uh, climbs the mountain. Different iterations of the story. Sometimes a child, etc. 
um, someone climbs the mountain to find out and fight this demon and, and save the village. And they learn there is this little thing that just builds a campfire every night. Um, you know, no more than a foot tall. Uh, doesn't want to hurt anyone. And very often that is the story it, when we really connect to these fears and these, these attachments. Um, we have to face the fear, yes. Uh, and it is scary, especially if the amount of pain that came with it previously um, was traumatic. Uh, if it was too much for too long, then the body's going to store that as trauma. But more often than not, it's really about um, coming home to ourselves. It's really about just allowing ourselves to be without the attachment to that that we think gives us meaning, gives us worth. If we're able to remove that attachment, it doesn't remove our ability to work hard. It doesn't remove our ability to prepare and plan. It doesn't remove our ability to be an expert and, and be loving and giving. What it does is it removes our need to do those things. And when you remove the need to do the things, it doesn't control you anymore. And so you can do more of it uh, without the fear and the resistance holding you back. Love that. Well, Chris, I want to thank you for hanging out with me. It was a great pleasure meeting you. And on behalf of my audience, I want to thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you so much, Jeff. I appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and we invite you to either click the link below or scan the QR code to register and listen to other episodes of our podcast. Or if you think your business or you would be a great guest to be on our show, we're always looking for experts in one of the nine elements of holistic wellness. We'd love to have you. You can either click the link below or you can scan the QR code and complete our speaker intake form. Thank you and to your wellness.